Well, welcome to the Unstoppable Freedom Podcast. I'm Jimmy Page. Today, we're going to talk about the culture war, the battle between God-given freedoms and authoritarian control, the battle that's waging for our kids, our families, and the battle for our very way of life, particularly from a spiritual perspective. Our guest today is Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. He's a retired U.S. Army Ranger, a paratrooper, that means he drops out of planes, and a former West Point psychology professor. He's written several books, including two that I'm really enjoying right now, entitled On Combat and On Spiritual Combat. Since his retirement for the U.S. Army in 1998, he's been traveling full-time as one of our nation's leading trainers for military, law enforcement, mental health providers, and school safety organizations. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Well, Jimmy, proud to be on board with you. And, uh, uh, you know, we met through a mutual uh, acquaintance, uh, Carlton uh, Garborg, Broad Street Publishing. Uh, My my next book coming up with him is On Hunting. It's going to be the definitive book coming up in March. Uh, uh, And just, just, you know, just praise God how, brother, you know, iron sharpens iron. Yes. And uh, and the link up and the and the magnificent things you're doing out there, oh, uh, it is it is a spiritual battle, Jimmy, and and we can never it lose is. track of that. My book uh, on spiritual combat, we tried real hard to talk about that, but we're going to get into this love, today. Yeah, but I I I love you know your concept of of faith, freedom, and family. Yes, and and faith is first, and 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 this is the part that I try to talk about so much in the book is that. You know, I, I, sooner or later, all nations die. I, our nation will die over my dead body. Right? Yeah. Uh, and oh, the sun will die. Yeah. But eternity continues. Mm-hmm. Keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the big picture. That's right. Uh, our goal here in life is to do the most good we can. Our orders, and, and we take this uh, as, a, uh, as, a, as a truly a, a mission, a combat mission. Yes. And our orders are first and foremost, to love God with all your heart and love others as yourself. And Jesus said, against such there is no law. This is it. Love yeah. God and love people. And, it, and if we truly love people, and if we truly obey God, then we will bring them to the knowledge of salvation. Mm, yes. And, and we do that. The third step is to grow you not weary of doing good. Do good deeds. Give the honor and glory to God. But he gives us the love and the joy and the peace and the long suffering and, and all kinds of wonderful blessings that come from it. And we give God the blessing. So yeah. our nation, our family, everything we do falls under that umbrella of faith. Yes. And because of that, it strengthens us. It empowers us to go forth and do mighty deeds and to, to, and to, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Yes. And that don't mean we're suicidal, <laughs> you yeah. know, but. But but we know that that there's good things waiting for us. Yes. And here on earth, the loving Father has asked us to go forth and to love, and to manifest love. And and uh, and my goal has been studying the reality of combat. Those who love their fellow human beings enough to lay their life down. Jesus said, "Greater love is known than this. They give their life for their friends." Yes. But there's many ways to give your life. Yes. And, and I'm going to ask you about that. I'm going to ask you about that in a minute because I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. And I'm going to ask you, first of all, I've been really blessed by On Spiritual Combat. This book has is a game changer. It's a life changer. But first, I, you know, I wanted to thank you, first of all, for uh, for your service, not only in the military, but now in the work 
that you're doing after retiring to serve those who serve? I think this is a big deal. And I'm going to ask you a few questions about that. But as someone who has given so much of your life for the cause of freedom, literally fighting to defend our liberties, our God-given rights, and our way of life, you probably see the culture war, the battle that's happening in our country right now with a little different perspective than most. What are the some some of the things in the culture right now that you are most concerned about? Well, you know, I think the whole woke movement in our schools should be of enormous concern to every parent and grandparent, the indoctrination of our children. Yes. When we send our children off to college and we pay vast amounts of money to have them indoctrinated into leftist ideology, should be terrifying to any parent. And we should be very, very careful and to the utmost of our ability. I've got a grandson in uh, uh, two years of college in a tech school that was his choice. And now he just graduated from uh, basic training, AIT, uh, you know, private first class, uh, you know, Tannen Grossman. You know, I've got a, I've got a son with nine combat tours and uh, 22 years in uh, spec ops, and uh, he's about ready to retire. But, but uh, all of these, you know, your, your children into college, your grandchildren into school, the greatest investment we can make is to take them out from under the authority of the world and put mm-hmm. them under godly authority. I think yes. there will be, there is an explosion of homeschooling, of faith-based yeah. schooling. And, and I'll tell you something interesting about this whole business of the safety of our children. I teach about school massacres. I was there on the night of the Jonesboro School Massacre. I was there after the Nickel Mines Amish School Massacre. I was there after Paducah. I was there after, after Columbine. And, uh, and, and, follow up on all of these these school massacres there have been dozens in canada at least three that i know of in finland two Mm. horrendous mass murders by juveniles in the school in germany uh four or five that i know of in mexico a bunch in brazil there was one in taiwan there was one in thailand there was one in moscow I was recently a mass murder in a school in Moscow, and the article said it was uh, one of five that had occurred in that region, in that state, in just the last couple of months in Russia. So children, juveniles, committing multiple homicides in the school has never Mm -hmm. happened in human history. And now they're everywhere. Now, multiple homicide by a juvenile in the school on heard of until 1975 in Brampton, Canada. First one was in Canada, double homicide by a juvenile in the school in Canada. Then we had one in the 70s in America. We had two in the 80s, and now they're everywhere. But here's the key. Not one single one of these massacres by a child in their school has ever happened in a faith-based school. Now think about that. Not one. Wow. Now that wow. that doesn't mean there there aren't outsiders that figure they get double points for coming in those faith-based schools. Safety and security right. and armed people in those faith-based schools should be part of who we are and what we do. Uh, and and that doesn't mean that it might not happen tomorrow. Right. But in order for children to commit this horrible, horrible act, 
coming in their schools, committing a mass murder. They've got to have absolute rabid faith that there is no God. And if mm. there is no God, and if you've been told that with absolute certainty, yeah. and if the whole goal in life is to be famous and to pay back people that did bad things to you, then these actions are completely rational. Wow. And the presence of God in the lives of our children, taking our children and bringing them out from under the world, uh, putting them in uh, faith-based uh, 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 schools, homeschooling. Uh, whenever I sign a book for a homeschool parent, I put a halo over their name. Uh, faith-based schooling. Uh, when they go to college, try to influence events to the utmost of your ability to put them someplace like Liberty and, and study on the faith-based colleges and study the colleges that allow concealed carry on campus. Because that's another indication that they've got their head right and they got their heart right. And there's little colleges never dream of that it, that's doing this. It should be an indicator to us. They got their head right, that they're they're fighting the woke tides and they're doing good yeah. things. This, this is, our, our, yeah. to me, the single greatest concern is the indoctrination. It is the mm. opposite of bringing them up in church. It, it, it negates any effort you've ever made to raise your children with a sense of values and principles when they go to the school and get indoctrinated. Uh, that school owns them. It convinces them that they're, they're bisexual, that they're transsexual. That it, it just takes them in these, these years when, they're, when they're, 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 their faith and their character is not yet formed. And it shapes yeah. it into a perverted, twisted form. And it should yeah. enrage us. And we should fight against it with all our heart and all our might. And first and foremost and, to and, me is faith, family, you know, and, 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 and that's what it's all about. It's those children and our grandchildren. Well, it's, interesting. it's interesting because you mentioned a couple of things in there, right? This, the woke ideology is by definition Marxist. It's, it is uh, communistic. It's Marxist. It's a, and most people don't know, but they're being educated very quickly. Marxism is an atheistic faith. It is an anti-God, anti-family, anti-parent, anti-freedom. It's all about authoritarian control, which would eliminate the presence of God. It would basically, the reason it's so dangerous is that it eliminates God, it eliminates faith, and one of the other things that I found most interesting about what you just said about these uh, these conflicts in school, right, these horrible events in school, is that the vast majority, if not all, of these young murderers uh, had a either a no father, no father presence, or a horrible relationship with their father of abuse. Is that what you've seen? You know, that's part of the equation. I, I think we got to be careful taking that too far. You know, look back through history. Uh, mm. During and after the American Civil War, we had more ratio-wise, we had more one-parent families than we've ever seen. You know, during World War yeah. One, we had we had a, a fatherless world to a large degree here at home. Um, mm. Those those dynamics have been there before. They're they're important. That the the necessity of God, and you know. In Malachi, the last curse in the Old Testament is a terrible, terrible curse on fathers yeah. who abandon their families, fathers who yeah. abandon their children. And so mm -hmm. when we see this fatherless society, it should yeah. concern us deeply. In, in many ways, it's not the new factor, but it is a terrible factor. It is this idea that comes back to the government that says, we will raise your children. You don't have to worry about abandoning your children. Your children will never starve. 
you know, in, uh, you know, in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, uh, I think it's Apostle Paul writes it, that um, if we neglect our family, then mm. we're worse than infidels. We're worse than un, 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 those who have, have no faith. Even, even those without faith do not neglect their family, do not neglect their children. We're worse than them as Christians if we don't support our family first and foremost. And fathers who abandon their children are one of the most tragic things on earth. Uh, we're seeing this in entire portions of our community and the necessity for us to strive for that, 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 that fathers in the family is critical. Again, historically, we can see where that's happened in the past and, and we didn't see this kind of breakdown of the society. It's almost like a perfect storm in which that's one yeah. of many components. My, what I try to do and say, what is the new factor? What is the new factor? Never yeah. been there before. And one is this media violence, uh, the sick video games, the sick TV shows inflicted upon children. Uh, my book, I was invited to the White House by President Trump, personally had a chance to put a copy in his hand. I uh, had one book I could put in the President's hand. This is the one, invited to the White House, uh, again, to brief Vice President Pence, had one book I could put in his hand, Assassination Dinneries, the one I chose. And, uh, and, People say, well, I played those games. I watched those shows. I'm not a killer. Well, when I was a mm. kid, I never buckled my seatbelt. I'm just fine. Uh, every single yeah. kid I know, nobody buckled it. We were all just fine. Uh, you, right. Your kid can go unbuckled, and, and odds are minute if they'll pay the price for it. But as a cop, I can tell you, all I've got to do is scrape a couple kids off the highway and become a believer in seatbelt laws. The vast majority mm. of us can go without seatbelts. We can... We can ingest that evil stuff as children and, and not become killers. Mm. But it's a foolish and tragic risk. And it is the new factor. The new factor that every single one of these killers has. They've dropped out of life and they immerse themselves in a world of violent visual imagery. And what we've got is we've got several of these mass murderers who did have intact families but their mm. fathers played video games with them. They played violent video games together. You know, uh, you know, and, and, and what I tell people is, uh, you know, play, play, you know, play Nerf gun wars, squirt gun wars yeah. under the proper controlled environment, do paintball. All of those paintball right. has structure. You take your mask off and the, boom, everything stops. You know, you, you, you do a safety violation, boom, everything stops. In healthy play, you operate by rules that say nobody gets hurt. And in healthy play, as soon as somebody gets hurt, the play stops. A basketball mm. game, a football game, one of the players gets hurt, the fans go silent, and the play stops. In the video wow. game, you blow your playmates' heads off in explosions of blood. They beg for mercy. They writhe in pain. Does the play stop? You get points. This is pathological play. This is dysfunctional play. So I can point you to several of these killers who had intact, supportive families. But what they did was they took their money, they took their resources to give the kid what they wanted, which is mm. do nothing in life but play these violent video games. We wow. saw this in Paducah, Kentucky, when the, the killer uh, opened fire on the prayer circle in front of the school. It came from a very well-to-do intact family. Uh, his father was an attorney. They'd taken a two-car garage and turned into the kids' playroom with arcade the arcade games, point-and-shoot murder simulators uh, provided to the kids for free, what most of us had to pay bunches of quarters for 
they had for free. And, and when he committed his mass murder, he had supernatural marksmanship skills. Eight shots had eight different children, five of them headshots, the other three upper torso, uh, and, and, and put one twenty-two caliber bullet and eight different kids. Medical support there in minutes. Three of them were dead, one paralyzed for life, with one twenty-two caliber bullet and eight different kids, 50% kill ratio. And it was all video game training. He fired a, he stole a 22 cal pistol from a neighbor's house. He fired a magazine of ammo on a previous night. That was his transition fire. He transitioned from the simulator to reality, one magazine of ammo, open fire in the prayer circle the next day. So wow. the, the evil dynamic, even in these intact families, is that parents yeah. don't know this is stuff. And then the other wild card in the equation it's terribly important. I've got a book coming out in a year or so. We're going to bounce it off Carlton Garboard pretty soon called On Sleep. We're in the middle of a global epidemic of sleep deprivation. Sleep wow. deprivation is a key factor in suicide. Military research tells us a sleep-deprived soldier can be up to five times more likely to take their life. You know, I I, I tell people... Well, hey, Dave, let, me jump in. let me jump in real quick because I want to follow up. First of all, no. First of all, to go rewind a little bit to the video games, no one is talking about video games anymore. Like I remember when vid violent video games were a target. Like, hey, this is bad. It's conditioning our kids to be violent, and everyone's just like, "No way, get out of here." But I think you're right. I think it has when you when you remove God from the equation, and then you add this mindless, senseless, uh, violent training, in essence, with these video games. Let me it give does an angle on that, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, right out of the book. In 2005, the state of California overwhelmingly voted to regulate mm -hmm. children's access to violent video games. Home of Hollywood, home of Silicon Valley, overwhelmingly voted to regulate children's access to violent video games. Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor. Arnold signed the bill. He says, I support this initiative. Wow. The video game industry fought all the Now, remember, the data was so strong. The research was so good. The entire state of California voted to regulate children and the video game industry, which makes vast amounts of money. One video game made more money than the entire global music industry the year it came out. It's all in the book. So they fought all the way to the Supreme Court to sell any game to any kid at any age. You cannot stop us. You cannot regulate us in any way, shape, or form. Now, this is a vast, powerful industry who pumps wow. billions of dollars behind the scenes into our political system for one thing, to not stop them from selling these games to children. They're, they're, their, whole, their whole dynamic. They're like, you know, I tell people, my dad started smoking in 1940 when he was five years old. Plunked a nickel on the counter, bought a pack of Bull Durham tobacco and rolling papers, started smoking. Hey, candy rots your teeth, right? Cigarettes are good for you. Camel ad said, more doctors smoke camels. Winston said, as your dentist, I recommend Winston cigarettes. You know, and and they, they, they didn't care they were selling to five-year-olds. They wanted to. The whole battle of tobacco was over one thing, to stop selling that stuff to children and to admit wow. that they're doing harm. And now we've got this industry selling these murder simulators to children with vast amounts mm -hmm. of money fighting any attempt 
to regulate children's access to their product. But it goes further than that, Jimmy. This global epidemic of sleep deprivation. Mm. Now, worldwide, suicides have exploded. Every nation on the planet, every age group, teenagers, 10, 11, 12-year-old teenage girls, suicides exploded. And the new factor is explosion of sleep deprivation. I tell people, here's parenting 101 for the 21st century. When you send your kid to bed at night, take their cell phone away from them. No laptop in the room, no cell phone in the room. They have got to go to the room and sleep. So a cop came up during a break in one of my presentations. He said, I had a good girl. She was an A student. She said, Dad, it's embarrassing. You, you don't have to take my cell phone every night. You can trust me. You know, family policy, cell phone with the charger, go to bed. So, okay, I trust you. Take your cell phone. He said, a little while later, she took her life. He said, my little girl took her life. And we never knew the hell she was living in until we looked at the text messages on her cell phone. Night after night of ceaseless, relentless, vicious bullying. And you can't just ignore that. We're not wired that way. He said it was heartrending that she up night after night trying to defend herself. He said, I knew my little girl was bullied to death. What I didn't understand until now, she was sleep deprived, tormented, and bullied to death in front of my eye. I let it happen. So it's a major factor in traffic deaths, which have exploded worldwide, sleep deprivation, a major factor in suicides, which have exploded worldwide. It's a major factor in the opiate overdose habit. Why opiates? Why are opiates a drug of choice? Prescription opiates have always been there. Where's the demand? Sleep deprivation creates chronic pain. If you don't sleep, the tendons and muscles never fully relax. Doc, I heard all the time, give me a pill to fix you, don't need a pill, you need more sleep. And the tendons and muscles are going to ache if they don't get a chance to fully relax and get a good night's sleep. It's a key factor in obesity and heart disease. It's a key factor in Alzheimer's. Do an online search between suicide and sleep deprivation, traffic deaths, yeah. it's all there. But do an online search for suicide, yeah. but for sleep deprivation and dementia. Boom, it's yeah. huge. People say, oh, it's I'll a, sleep when I'm dead. Well, you have a decade of Alzheimer's first, you idiot. And, yeah. and just basic sleep hygiene that should be taught to our kids in elementary school. Sleep in a totally dark room. Our bodies are designed to sleep in total darkness. Use a sleep mask and 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 uh, cut off caffeine shortly after lunch. Simple, simple yeah. sleep hygiene that should be taught in elementary school that none of us even has a clue about. So here's this industry. Facebook will never say you've been online for 36 hours. Time to get some sleep. The video game will never say you've been playing this game for 48 hours. This time they will never do that. The head of Netflix has said the number one competitor is not other online providers. The number one competitor is sleep. The corporate policy of Netflix is to steal your sleep. They don't care that they're killing people. They just want to sell their product. So with this sleep deprivation is eating our lunch. Yeah. It makes sleep deprivation impairs judgment. You become stupid. You do things like suicide that you will regret, yeah. you know, or, or never have a chance to regret. So this yeah. is the new factor. This, this, these murder simulators fed to our children. The whole blame the police comes from these mm. movies where the cops are the bad guys and the criminals are the good guys. Uh, and yes. how could anybody believe we get rid of the police? It'd all be better. But it comes no. from the sick movies, right up until yeah. the early 1960s. Well, let me let me jump in. 
Yeah, go ahead. Let me jump real quick, especially on this sleep thing. This sleep thing is fascinating to me. You know, I spent yeah. my the first 20 years of my career in health and wellness and sports performance, and sleep was a big deal. You know, people, uh, they used to marvel when we would tell them that elite athletes needed between nine and 11, maybe more hours sleep. They're like, you oh. got to be kidding. But our youth today, so you're hitting on some, this is important for our families, for our parents that are listening. Because we're you're connecting dots from these violent, you said murder simulators. That's what we need to call these video games, murder yes, simulators. Yes. And then you take into account the fact that they're on the phone in texting and in, in all of these apps, the social media apps, that they're not unplugging. They're never letting their mind rest. They're probably getting just a handful of hours of sleep. And it's probably not even good sleep. It's not that good, deep, restorative sleep. And right. then we wonder why we've got all these emotional problems, these relational problems, the suicides. Okay. Wow. I mean, those two pieces alone are massive. And let me let me shift gears just a little bit uh, because I believe that families are waking up in big numbers. I believe that moms are waking up in big numbers. I believe dads are. Let's talk a little bit about dads. We know that moms... Uh, are are already in the fight, right? Moms have jumped into the fight to protect their kids. They see the indoctrination that's happening in the schools. They see the gender confusion. They see that uh, many in many schools, they're being separated from their children. The, the kids are being told not to trust mom and dad, to keep things, keep secrets from mom and dad. How can dads jump in, right? A, a, what I'm discovering is men want to engage in this fight, the spiritual fight and the and the physical fight. Um, what do you tell men? How do you tell them to engage? Well, first off, you know, start locally. Mm -hmm. Take control of your city. Take control of your of your your part of the city. Uh, how many of you know who your city councilor is? How many of you know who your your mayor is and have personally met them? How many even know these things? How many of you know who's in charge of your county? You know who who this this the individual is in charge of your county. This is where we should begin our focus, and it starts with the school boards. The school boards are often decided by a handful of votes, and 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 because we don't think they're important, when in reality they're the most important of all. Yeah. Local elections are everything, and that's where your voice can have the greatest power. Don't get wired about the national election. You can only influence that once every couple of years when you vote or maybe contribute right. some money. Get absolutely knee deep. The Bible talks over and over about the city. From the perspective of the Bible, the city is the is the, the most important civic wow. component. And I, I very, very seldom does the Bible talk about nations. They talk about cities. They focus again and again on, on Jerusalem, on Nineveh, on Deir. You know, with the, the cities and, and get control of your city right down to the grassroots level. Uh, find out who's being elected, interview them. What are they all about? Run for office or support your spouse who runs for yeah. office. Yes. You know, I, I, I tell you, you know, it, it, when we've got a mom who's not working, that, that, that's a beautiful thing. She's devoted herself to the most important thing on the planet is the children. God bless her. But that mom has time and energy to be able mm -hmm. to get involved in the local school board and to, and to and run candidates and endorse candidates and organize civic groups. And our, our churches should 
be first and mm. foremost a, a pool for civic groups who work to bring our, our, our schools to, to paths of righteousness. Your influence at the local level is orders of magnitude greater than influence at the at the at the state or, or national level. That's where you I got to tell you. I got to tell you that is a massive call to action because yeah. a lot of times a lot of times we get paralyzed thinking, well what how am I going to influence this thing? How right. am I going to really make a difference? But what you just said is no no, these are your neighbors. I mean, these are the city council down the street. These are people that you probably know. And by the way, we do need to flip these board these school board seats because we need righteous people on these boards that are going to support our values. Another, let me let me get even I'm going to draw that circle even tighter uh, back to the family. Right. So dads want I, I believe most dads want to be a great dad. We want to be protectors. We want to be providers. We want to raise our kids with the right values. How would you encourage a dad who may not have been engaging, in, who may may be walking with God, but may not be engaging explicitly in raising their kids in that way, how would you encourage a dad, a good dad, to re-engage in the spiritual development of their family? You know, I I spent the first 24 years of my life uh, in the military. Uh, now I've got 25 years out of the military. I actually hit the point, I got more time out than I had in. It's but crazy. I was deployed constantly. I was in jobs where we, we worked 16 hour days it was the norm, you know, mm. but here's the one thing I always tried to do. And I think it's a value. Well, number one, we, we paid to put our kids in, in Christian school, in most cases, in most locations, it's the best investment we ever made. Number two, I tried to get home at bedtime every night mm. and read to my kids. There's a book, a beautiful book called the read aloud book. And it talked about, you may have wealth untold, but I had a mother who read to me, you know. And, uh, and, and we read right up until they were fairly young teenagers every night. We read the whole Narnia series, a chapter a night. And, and you know, I, I had a professor. I got my degree en route to teach at West Point. Mm. I had a professor who talked about the last 30-minute rule. He said, mm. all other things being equal. What we do in the last 30 minutes of the day is what we're going to process into long-term memory. We've all been there. We come home from work. We go to sleep. We dream about work, you know. Uh, and, and if we take that last 30 minutes and own it, your kid could have a terrible day. They could have a horrible day. But you take that last 30 minutes. You hold them close. You snuggle them. You talk to them. And you read to them. Mm -hmm. And you read the pages off of this book. And, and, and when they're little, read a couple of books. Shoot for at least 30 minutes. Again, we read a, a chapter out of every, you know, the whole Narnia series, a uh, chapter at a time. And, and I would get home at, at, you know, at bedtime, 8.30, 9 o'clock. And I only had like 30 minutes a day to interact with them. But I tried to own those 30 minutes by sitting and reading to them. But, you know, it's funny. Now I, I, I narrate all my books. I think I'm pretty unique as, uh, unique as an author, which the audio version of all of my books outsells the other versions. <laughs> so, so that same reading voice, dynamic Dave, is, is again. I'm just telling you, it's your voice. You've got that, uh, you got that tough, authoritative voice. <laughs> so, 
So on that last 30 minutes of, of every day, terrible things could happen in the day, but you can program what they're going to get out of that day by owning that last 30 minutes. I, I've made so okay. many mistakes. I messed up so many things. We all have. But the one thing I got right was yeah. was uh, was teaching them the love of books, teaching them the love of the written word, and uh, holding them close and reading a chapter a night from the Narnia series, you know, and and other other great virtuous things like that. It was such a blessing. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And what I love about what you just said, okay, first of all, it it can feel overwhelming to a mom and a dad who are pushing hard. Maybe they're both working who feel like they're failing as a dad. I mean, a lot of times dads feel like they're failing everywhere, failing in their career, failing at home. But what you just did was you said, be intentional with the last 30 minutes. And man, for me, I could do that all day. I mean, I wish I, w I did that. I, I got some things right. You know, I used to read Pilgrim's Progress to my kids every night and I would read a chapter and Every single time they would say, one more chapter, Dad, just one more chapter. Oh, yeah. and, <laughs> but, but you just made it easy. You know, you just really made it easy to take 30 minutes to really invest in your kids because now their minds and their hearts and their spirits are going to process that all night and they're going to wake up different. And that's the beauty of it. Jimmy, I'm first and foremost a soldier and, yeah. and a good one. I'm an infantry officer. I'm a ranger. And it's all about focusing to get the maximum effect mm. and take that last 30 minutes with the kids or in other areas sleep you may not get one more minute of sleep sleep in a totally dark room sleep with yeah. the sleep mask on boom no more than one yeah. drink on the way to bed uh you know just simple little rules never hit that snooze alarm it, it, it's all the first decision of every day is the most important decision uh am i in charge of my life so set your alarm for 10 alarms, 6 o'clock, 6.01, 6.02, 6.03, By the time you turn them all off, you're up. And the yeah. first decision of every day is the most important decision. I'm in charge of my body. So, so focus on that first minute of every day when you roll out of bed and take charge. My grandson, after basic training, he said, you know, Grandpa, on the first morning of basic training, the drill sergeant taught us, you can get straight the hell out of bed when you need to. <laughs> basic training, boom. Yeah, oh, and yeah. the first minute of every day, the last 30 minutes of every day. I mean, just maybe you won't get one more minute of sleep, but make it quality sleep by making it totally dark. Wear that sleep mask. Things like that, that strategically, tactically, we can take minimal investment and get maximum payoff. That's, that's my goal in life, is to identify yeah. those, those, those little tricks, quicks, or whatever they call them these days that we can apply. Hacks. They call them hacks. That's, and I will it. that's say, the word I was looking for. It's that's a hack. A, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, listen, what's what's amazing to me is you're making it bite-sized. And I think that's what we need today. And I, I hope our audience realizes that you're one of the world's foremost experts on human aggression, on the psychology of combat. But more than that now, I believe, applying that to a life that's successful, a life that matters.